Warning, this episode contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Whiskey Sex Talk. We are your host, Romeo, Maria, and Kim. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on this episode, we are going to be talking about Taiwanese whiskey. That is right. There are There is a distillery, according to Kim, in Taiwan. So let's just get started. So, Kim, okay, so in recent episodes, we've been talking about New World whiskeys from countries like Australia, New Zealand, and India. How does Taiwan whiskey fit into the picture? Well, uh, the uh, we you know, we've talked about uh, with some of these uh, uh, distilleries how the weather has really, you know, kind of played a part. Uh, but unlike uh, whiskeys from Australia, New Zealand, and India, there was not really any prior spirit uh, of any kind. I mean, if, if if it was, it was some kind of indigenous spirit that was, you know, never really made it to the mainstream. So uh, it's and what the other thing that's interesting about um, Taiwan is they had a big culture of uh, scotch consumption. But unlike some of the other regions, uh, the single malts really dominate the drinking scene there as opposed to scotch blends, which, you know, for most of the world, that's the dominant, um, you know, flavor. Uh, and it's interesting. So there is, you would you would think that there's really only one uh, distillery there. There are actually two, but the second one is, doesn't get very much uh, play because Cavalon, which is the main one we're, we're uh, going to focus on, really just dominates the scene. Okay, I guess uh, close but no cigar. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's starting to make a play. It's the uh, Nantu uh, distillery, which is run by the government. But uh, it's and everybody says it has a, a lot of promise. But Cavalon is just you know dominates the scene. Okay, so you mentioned that um, Taiwan is arriving on the scene later than other New World whiskeys. Why? Why is that? Well, uh, Taiwan, for many years, the government had a monopoly on, uh, you know, producing and importing and selling whiskey. Uh, so Mr. Lee, who started uh, Cavalon Distillery, he, he um, has a company called King Car Company, and they became very famous and made a lot of money with a brand of canned coffee called Mr. Brown's. Uh, and he tried in 1995 uh, to he always wanted to create a, a whiskey distillery. And he tried to do that in 1995. Uh, so but the government just shut him down. He couldn't do it. So he um, in in 2002, the, what changed is that Taiwan entered the world, uh, became a part of the World Trade Organization. So that opened up everything. And then private citizens could uh, create distilleries. So he, um, from 2002 to 2005, he started working on the distillery, creating, uh, you know, gathering ideas, talking to architects, 
uh, engineers, uh, technicians, and he was working with Ian Chang, who became his master blender and distillery manager. And then they opened the distillery in 2005, That even though they did all kinds of research from 2002 to 2005, but the actual distillery only took nine months to build, which is kind of astonishing if you ever see pictures yeah. of it. It's a huge distillery, beautiful state of the art it's it's the most technically advanced uh just uh, technologically advanced distillery in the world and one of the you know 10th largest in the world well that's not surprising now knowing what we know about that part of the world huh exactly. that's true that's exactly. true yeah, yeah 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 that's actually right yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he also worked with uh, Ian Chang, who I, I think I mentioned, who became his master distiller and blender. So that was also a huge big thing. They were working together. And so how did Ian Chang uh, join Cavalon? Well, it's a very interesting story. I mean, he's kind of a wunderkind. You know, he's uh, you know, very, very talented. He's just said to have an amazing nose. So he... Uh, uh, he basically did not have a job. He had been living in the United uh, United Kingdom for like eight or nine years. He was studying. He was kind of uh, trying to avoid uh, the having to do the national service, basically the draft in uh, Taiwan. But he came back. He did his two years of service, and then he was working with his father in China. Um, and then his father had a stroke, so he, he didn't have a job. He was back in Taiwan. And he was reading uh, job, you know, uh, postings at like three in the morning. And he saw something from um, the Cavalon or King Car uh, group, which is the, you know, the group that basically started Cavalon. And they were looking for, it was basically a research and development person, but they called it a spirit researcher. And so he put in his resume, he had uh, studied food science in, um, he had didn't have any whiskey experience, but he thought food science might be kind of related, got a call, he went in and they asked him if he, you know, had any whiskey experience and, you know, he said no, but, you know, in the eight to nine years I was working, I mean, I was living in the United Ki Kingdom, I drank every night, so that should <laughs> count for something in the whiskey industry. <laughs> and so they might they must have liked what he said because they invited him to do a, a sensory test. So what that was, and he always felt like he had a pretty good sensory ability. So he said, sure. And what that was, it was an interesting test. So they gave him 15 different aromas. He could only smell it once. And then he had to write a description of it, which is very hard to do if you've ever, you know, try, even if you're just in a casual tasting um, but so he was writing that he just was writing down things like smells like Chinese white spirit or, and I think one of his actual descriptions was it smells like a Chinese wardrobe and which is like, I'm not sure if I, I don't know if I want to like. taste a, you know, taste a whiskey that right. smells like that. <laughs> But um, he got the highest score and he says he thinks part of it was just because he wrote down something whenever he was asked, you know, a descriptor. But he also gave some very good. He thought that was, you know, a very good advice for people who are, are drinking and nosing whiskey, which is even though it's hard to identify um, aromas, they might seem familiar, but it's hard to identify. Just go with your first instinct and you're probably going to be right. So and then he was hired. As so, the master blender and distillery manager. So did he? So this this leads me to my next question. So did Ian Chang just start right away as a master blender? 
Well, yeah, no, that would that would have been a kind of a, an amazing <laughs> transition. Right. He was mm-hmm. hired, but he was uh, but uh, Mr. Lee sent him to Scotland to work with Dr. Jim Swan, who is known as the Einstein of whiskey. I mean, he did all kinds of research, uh, scientific research, uh, you know, one of the. One of the things he did is come up with the Scotch flavor whiskey wheel, um, Scotch whiskey flavor wheel uh, with uh, his uh, with Sheila Bertels. And uh, but he was really an expert at wood maturation and um, uh, environment and uh, cask management. So so he was uh, he not only taught. Ian, how to kind of uh, refine his abilities, but he really taught him about distilling in a very specific way. And one of uh, Dr. Swan's real talents is that is being able to go into to a new distillery and help them uh, figure out what would be the best style of whiskey for them based on the environment, based on water sources, uh, and then, you know, combine that with his knowledge of casks and, you know, to come up with a, a signature house style. And, you know, he's worked with uh, distill in new distilleries, not new anymore, but all over the world. So Pendaren in Wales, Kilhoman uh, on Isle, the island of Isla in Scotland, um, Amrut, which we talked about in India. Right. And, um, Romeo, you may know this, uh, Milk and Honey Distillery in, in Israel. Israel. So yeah. he's a consultant to all of those, which all of which are very, I mean, among many others. And so he's really, it's almost like the Johnny Appleseed of, of new distilleries. He just went around and, and helped all these dis- new distilleries and, and young producers, um, you know, just create a, a house style and be very successful at, at opening their new distilleries. When you look at the history of like whiskeys, most, you know, everybody... For example, like American whiskey, Canadian whiskey, or Scottish whiskey, um, they all had their own. They came up with it, you know, like they came up with their own original mash bills. Now, did he come in and impose his version of what the mash bill should be? Um, I I think it could be perceived that way. That way, but he really he was coming in as a consultant. You know, you have to realize that um, India, um, you know, Scotland. You know, a lot of the established distilleries, you know, they had they had their own way of doing things. So uh, Dr. Swan, what he did is he just kind of came in and said and kind of guided them. So, you know, he took the resources that they had um, and helped them. He didn't come up with any. He didn't say, oh, let's, you know, get a different water source or or anything. He just basically helped them refine what the. Uh, the resources that they had and make it the best that they could be. So, uh, and, you know, one of his big innovations uh, at Cavillon, and it's widely recognized in the, in the distilling industry that this was one of his kind of crowning achievements uh, was the shaved, shaved, toasted and recharred barrels Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, he kind of initiated at the Cavillon distillery. And so why were these uh, STR casks important for Cavalon? Well, so one of the, yeah, so one of the uh, things that we've discussed, obviously, is Cavalon has a, you know, it's a subtropical uh, climate, you know, which, and like India, uh, it's, so whiskeys mature much, much faster. So instead of like two to, they, um, instead of losing two to 5% of whiskey to evaporation, like um, Scotland does, it can be twelve to fifteen percent. So the the whiskeys oh, mature wow. 
very, very quickly. And so if you're using, um, so by uh, um, shaving, toasting and recharring the barrels, you're presenting, especially red wine barrels that works, especially with red wine barrels and which is, you know, become one of um, the thing. sherry and red wine barrels are, 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 you know, pretty, uh, they're really important to the Cavalon style. I mean, Cavalon has the largest portfolio of sherry casks in the world. Yeah, you uh, mentioned, I can't remember which one off the top of my head, but you mentioned that was also an important part of some other whiskeys we had talked about. Um, let me see, was it? The red uh, wine casks. Uh, oh, that was Australia. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, Australia. That was um, a lot of Australian uh, whiskeys. Starward was the one that you're thinking of, Maria. Yeah, so... Um, uh, so the so what happens is the um you know you shave that and then it becomes so that you get the freshness of the red wine you know influence uh but the but and then kind of the uh, toast of the of the um you know, if there's a, of the wood, because when the wood is charred, you know, it creates this, it, it activates this sugar uh, in the wood. So it just prevents a, a fresh barrel, like a, a whiskey that, you know, can take a longer time to mature, you know, for years, like Scottish whiskey, you know, you can have 10 years, 12 years, 15 years. Uh, and um, so they, that has time to kind of, you know, interact with the wood and extract more from the wood because right. it's got more time, but you don't have that in a subtropical climate. So uh, doing the shaving, um, toasting and recharring really gives a fresh cask. And it really paid off because uh, a um, Cavallon Solist Vino Barrique uh, cask won World uh, Whiskey of the Year in 2015 at the World Whiskey Awards, which was that was seven years after they started. And wow. the, that kind of achievement that early on in, in a distillery's history is almost unheard of. Unheard and of, it really yeah. put Cavallon on the map. So and they've won hundreds of, of awards. So, Kim, do tell us. Is there some kind of issue with a uh, solist in the U.S.? Um, yes, it's uh, which is too bad. But uh, so obviously, if you have won uh, World Whiskey of the Year with a brand that includes solist on the label, obviously you'd like to uh, you know bring that into the United States with that label. But it turned out that another whiskey brand had it was using solist, so they couldn't use it. So there's you know you kind of have to be a person in the know. So if you see a Cavalon. Uh, 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 bottle and it says and it's high proof because all it's the all of the solist line their um cask strength which means they're bottled straight out of the uh you know out of the cask N no water's added it's not proof down so it's very high proof wow. and i'll talk a little bit about why that that signature line so if you see a cavalon high proof and and it only has the kind of uh, barrel on it like Manzanilla or, you know, Vino Barrique, which is what won them the World uh, Whiskey of the Year in 2015. Then, you know, it's a solace. But it's kind of like, if you know, you know. You know. So it's like a little, in, you know. And of course, that gives, uh, you know, whiskey lovers in Cavalon like, okay, I found the, you know, this. So Well, this um, is great for our listeners to know this. I'm yeah, glad you're sharing yes. this bit of like little insider, uh, you know, knowledge. Yes. Yes. So it's, yeah, that's the secret code is there is that uh, is actually no secret code, but it's the lack of solist S O L A S T on the label and uh, you add a high proof and then you can snap that up. So what's interesting, the reason I, I love this story, 
The reason that um, Cavalon created the cask strength line is because there is a uh, pretty major drinking culture in Taiwan, right. and they have something called the uh, Ganbai um uh, kind of bottoms up in one shot kind of whiskey which you okay. know you you would you know you would think they're they have this very refined taste in single malt scotch and they're just kind of knocking it back and um so they had to come up with this cask strength line uh so but there's a saying in um Taiwan that there is <laughs> this is what Ian Chang said there is no strong alcohol there are only weak men which i think is <laughs> Which, you know what's it's hilarious? Yeah, that's you hilarious. Know? I mean, I would I would amend that to you know, there's only weak drinkers, but um, just right. to be inclusive, you know, gender right. inclusive. But I think that's hilarious, and not surprisingly, Mr. Lee, who you know runs King Car, and you know is like the one who really wanted to get the distillery uh, up and running. Uh, Ian Chang describes him as. Uh, the ultimate drinking machine, which I think is also hilarious. So Kavalan has all these, you know, funny little quirky characters, you know, right. a little bit, you know, they're giants in the industry, but all these quirky uh, personality uh, traits. It's interesting what you just and, said. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Roman. No, I was going to say, no, it's go it's, it was it's interesting what you just said, because I was, I, I, I understand that in Taiwanese culture, uh, whiskey is only drank at weddings, like at events like that. And here you're saying that there's a big drinking culture in Taiwan. <laughs> and this is from the little that I know. Yeah. You know, I think there's um, more of a culture. There's not there's not the the drinking popular drinking culture, I think, has changed. There's there's a lot of uh, whiskey bars in, you know, Taipei uh, and around the country, but uh, and dedicated whiskey bars. But um, what the the heavy drinking that kind of bottom you know, gone by bottoms up in one shot uh, culture was basically business drinking. So oh, okay. you would go well, have big, sense. you know, business drinkers, you know, yeah. and, you know, similar to um, China, you know, right. you would have bottles of whiskey on and it was just kind of status. And so that's why Mr. Lee was dominating the culture because <laughs> he was the ultimate whiskey machine. Well, thank you yeah, for that go clarification. Mr. Lee. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> yeah. And is, is Ian Chang still with Cavalon now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's not. Uh, I I have not heard much about what that departure was. I mean, after so many years and winning so right. many awards for them, you know, but he left uh, in 2020. He is now working with the Kamoro uh, Distillery in Japan, Japan. Kurosawa uh, area. It's the highest distillery, I believe. It just opened this week, I think. It was meant to just open this week, like, you know, couple of days ago or this week. So, and, and when you mean this um, week, you mean the month of July, month of July. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So a uh, month of July. Yeah. The month of July. So the last week of July. So, uh, so anyway, but he, the reason my understanding is that the reason he wanted to leave, uh, was because he wanted to work in a different, literally a different environment, like a physical environment. Uh, tropical he, instead of a tropical um you know atmosphere which he'd always which is where he'd always created whiskeys he wanted to go to the cooler climate of um, Japan which as you know we've know we know from talking about Japanese whiskey culture um it's much more like uh you know Scotland and it is so he you know one of the things he felt like he couldn't do at Cavalon was to create, age statement, uh, you know, whiskey. So, you know, with Scotch, you have a 
you know, Glenlivet tenure or Lafroig tenure, or, uh, you know, that you have 30 year old uh, whiskeys. So obviously, given the the very rapid maturation in the subtropical climate, you just you can't do an age statement. I mean, it just doesn't work. So you really focus on, you know, kind of the flavor. It's very kind of fruity, tropical flavor, right, right, right. very creamy, oily palate. Oh, I love that. So that was his focus for, you know, many, many years. Obviously, he was hugely successful as it, at, at it. I mean, they've won hundreds of awards. The distillery was awarded distillery of the year this year. Um, so they, they've obviously been very, very successful, but you know, it's, he, my understanding is he just wanted a new challenge. There wasn't any issues at, at, uh, Cavalon. He just wanted to, the opportunity to make, um, whiskeys kind of in Japan, but in kind of in that Highland style of, of having, I mean, many distilleries, many cultures have, you know, age statements, but he was not able to do that in, uh, you know, in Taiwan. So I think that was his focus. And it's a brand new distillery. He, he's working with the owners on it. So um, it's going to have a whiskey academy. So oh. it's, and it's a beautiful distillery. So it's, it's a uh, kind of a new challenge for him. And my understanding is it, well, you know, everything went smoothly. I mean, how could you not have good wishes for someone helped you win many, many awards, but so, um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's interesting to see what he'll come up with. I'm, I'm really curious. I really, I'm enjoying this. I love there's, it seems, it almost seems correct to say that the two thousands was the, we, the world has seen a renaissance of whiskeys, global, like world whiskeys. You have, you know, Taiwan, you have India, you have Australia. You, I mean, you, and other countries, which will cover, you know, in future episodes, but, um, I wanted to comment on something. I feel that like these tropical areas where whiskey is uh being made, I feel like there is an advantage because the maturation process is much faster due to the climate. Which leads me to my next question is because if you're if you're living in a place where the maturation process is faster, um, I would mm -hmm. assume that you have to play with technology. And here's my next question is that you mentioned that Cavlon is the most technologically advanced distillery in the world. What are some of its innovations? Well, they, um, I, I think I mentioned they, you know, consulted with architects and engineers and technicians. And so the, the distillery is huge. Um, so one of the, one of the innovations, and I think these are kind of broad, you know, trade secrets. I mean, you know, they didn't, uh, Ian Chang seemed like he didn't when he was in this interview I saw, he did not want to mention anything really, you know, secretive, into details into uh, but, um, but these are the details that I've read about. So um, when they mill the grain, I mean, it's interesting. They do not do, uh, mm -hmm. know, uh, they do not do any um, uh, malting or mashing. So that malting, I think we've, I've mentioned is when you get the, the grain to sprout, to germinate, right. and then mashing is, you know, you, um, uh, oh, they, well, they do, well, they do like malting they don't do malting. They do milling and then they do mashing. But so when they, when they grind up, the milling is basically grinding up the grain. And so they, um, they have technicians who sort it into three different kinds of, of grain. So flour wow. and fine and coarse. Uh, so, you know, so they can optimize right, uh, right. the mashing. Oh, yeah. Wow. So there's that. Um, they, uh, they, when they, their fermentation tank, they have this jacket, uh, that they put around it 
to, and it has cold water. So it kind of keeps it at a certain right. temperature I, because obviously the fermentation, right. you know, fermentation, right. you know, gets very hot. Um, they, the uh, warehouse is five stories high and there are different um, temperatures on each floor. Uh, but so here's an interesting thing. So here it is a, you know, state of the art distillery, but uh, one of the things they do is it, they still, you know, play with the weather in a very specific way. In the summer, they close all of the windows uh, to encourage, um, you know, that um, extraction. So right. the the it forces the uh, whiskey, you know, in the barrels to really interact with the wood. So that pulls out some of the color. But then in the winter or, you know, th- their winter, it's they have uh, they open the windows because Siberian winds come in. Oh, They're nice. very, very cold. It's just the, the where the distillery is situated. It comes in. So they leave all the windows open. And so all those Siberian winds can cool, you know, cool down the, the, uh, the cask. So it's really interesting. They have their state of the art, but they're still playing with open windows and shut windows. Well, they're using, they're using the, you know, their environment to their advantage. Exactly. That's great. Exactly. Uh, Very cool. Now I know that Kavlon is, well, I was gonna say, I know I thought Kavlon was the only distillery in Taiwan. Are there any other, you mentioned, I think, I think you said there's two. Well, there's there's one. There are Cavalon and, and um, Nantu are, are the the uh, two distilleries. So, and Nantu is government owned. Um, they uh, put out uh, the Omar single malt line, and also uh, they've released Yushan, which is their just... signature sherry cask. Uh, and I haven't heard tons about them, but everybody seems very hopeful. I mean, about the the whiskeys that are coming out of, you know, this small, much smaller distillery. But Cavalon is just such a giant. I mean, you know, but nobody's saying, oh, you know, Cavalon is the only, you know, distillery in, in Taiwan that's do- making good whiskeys. Not at all. I mean, every, the reviews I've read about Nantu whiskeys and, you know, the Yushan line are very positive. And everybody says, you know, they're, they, you know, have a bright future in store, you know, for them. But Cavalon is just, you know, you can't win that many awards and, you know, have such a global presence and not dominate the scene. So, well, here's my, here's what everybody wants to know now. What whiskeys do you recommend for those trying to uh, expand their collection or starting their collection? Well, I would say Distillery Select um, in the Cavalon line is a great place to start. It was literally created for uh, whiskey drinkers who were new to the scene, whether they were new to Cavalon, whether they were new to whiskey drinking in general. And it was kind of their entry level. And it was designed like a lot of, um, you know, other uh, kind of entry level whiskeys to be good uh to be delicious no matter how you drank it. So if you liked your whiskey neat, it would taste great. If you liked it over the rocks, it would taste great. Uh, if you wanted to put it in a cocktail, and it's a, it's a very good cocktail um, whiskey, that would work. Mm-hmm. Yes? No, go ahead. Um, so that is like a great entry level uh, is the distillery select. Um, and then I would say any of their sherry uh, cask finished or red wine barrels, because those are their their specialties. Uh, they have a manzanilla that is delicious. I mean, the, the solist, if you can find a solist, I mean, that's going to be very, very expensive. I mean, I would say that is for collectors rather than, you know, the average consumer. I mean, I managed to get one many years ago um, and uh, but uh, and I almost I. 
dropped the the uh, cat the case and almost you know broke it. No, but yeah. oh I know. Get it was, her out it was of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was you know I was setting up for a whiskey tasting, and uh, it's in it was in this beautiful kind of leather cask. And it kind of fell off the, and it got knocked off the counter, hit it a chair, and then bounced onto a cement floor. And I was panicking. I opened it up. It was fine. I told the guy who found it for me, he was a liquor store owner, his face literally went white. I've wow. never seen it. Oh <laughs> I've never seen the blood drain. But I was like, it was fine. It was fine. And it was, you know, it, it, there was just a teen. they really packaged it well. There's a teeny little dent inside, but the outside even looked great. And the whiskey was fine. So yay, Cavalon for your yay, packaging. Yeah, thank you <laughs> wow. for that. Uh, so, and, you're yes. talk, and you're talking about the Cavalon Distillery Select number one and number two, right? Because I, I, I'm seeing that right now on uh the whiskey exchange. Right, the distillery one is distillery select one and two. Yeah. So, oh. and they should be widely available. And I would definitely encourage, um, you know, our listeners to explore the sherry casks and anything with the red wine casks. Um, and, you know, Manzanilla, and they have the, um, I think I mentioned this, they have the most comprehensive sherry portfolio in the world of casks. Yeah, I'm of reading that. Right. Yeah. In the world. I'm seeing that, so, that right now. Uh, and yeah. I see that they have a Cavalon bourbon oak and a Cavalon X bourbon oak. So for those who love bourbon like I do, just throwing right. that out there. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, Kim, thank you so much. Um, okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for today. We are your host, Romeo. Maria. And Kim. Till next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>